Hello, 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 listener, and welcome to episode 13 of ADR. It's Area de Rigore, uh, your weekly dose of Calcio, your weekly dose of Syria, all things Italy, uh, all things football in Italy. I am Danish Iqbal, my co-host today, Maxi Angelo, as per usual. How are you doing, Maxi? Yeah, doing fine, thank you. Uh, great for the guest today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was getting onto that, but but okay, yeah. I stole uh, your moment. Yeah, yeah, you did kind of, but we can introduce them together. We've got a very, very special uh, Serie A guest for you this week, the famous or the infamous Martino Puccio. Fantastic to have you here, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. First time, first time I've been called infamous, but I'll I'll take it, I guess. And- um, appreciate you guys having me on uh, prior to the recording starting. I didn't know Max was going to be in here. He was saying <laughs> we go way back, so it's great to <laughs> finally chat with him again after uh, so long. Yeah, it's it's lovely to have you, man. Um, thank you uh, to all the listeners, by the way, for joining this week, whether that's on Spotify, Anchor.fm, or Apple Podcasts. Thank you for for tuning into the thirteenth episode. Whoever you are, we are so very glad that we are not cancelled yet. Martino, if you want to just give us a quick rundown of sort of where you're from and what you do, who you represent, I think a lot of people are already aware. But you know. Well, I'm not going to be arrogant and, and, and assume they know where I'm from. But anyways, I'm from New York, um, uh, which is obviously, like Maxie said, the Big Apple, but not not to, not directly in the city, just north of it. Um, I work on the State of Play podcast with Matt Santangelo and Pepperisha. Maxie's been on there before. Zach Lowy's been on there. Um, and then I guess we have to get you on there now. Uh, what, but we've been really lazy with recording <laughs> because I've started a new job with um, – uh, 137pm.com. It's a, uh, a website, kind of pop culture website involving like NFTs, football, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it's owned by Gary V. If any of you two know who that is, yeah. Is that the guy that does all the cool, uh, like, like pep talks and like cool, like, yes, yes, yes. I mean, he's, 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 he's not... the guy that like you, you see these videos of like, um, big motivational videos, and then in the back you hear like right. this weird Titanic music, right? Like, da, 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 da. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you're like, oh god, I gotta get my life together, man. Yeah, yeah. And I now uh, work for that guy, so it's really funny. <laughs> no it was, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You was, work for Gary V. We gotta get Gary V on, man. But I, I mean, listen, man, he's a very open person and very kind. And who knows? I mean, you could reach out to him. I haven't personally met him yet. I mean, he just passed by my desk on Friday because I went in the city for the first time uh, to the to That's the office. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was funny. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't know. I don't I don't get like starstruck by that. Also, I shouldn't because it's kind of my boss. He's like the, the boss boss, basically. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he'd be like the owner of a football club. And then I have a someone above me who's like my football director and then there's is like you know another person who would be like the manager and then i would be i guess the player um so yeah and and i just do that and it and it's proper football and i beg people to follow it all the time (laughs) um we have we're on instagram tiktok um twitter and basically what i was telling maxi was what we do is we just talk all things uh, football, whether it's top five leagues in Europe, MLS over here because we're in America. A lot of our follower bases is is in America. Um, and we basically just also cover young top talents. And, and it's and it's so much fun because that's a lot of what you guys do over here. And there isn't a better league, in my opinion. And obviously it was evident during the Euros that Serie A has, has an amazing eye for talent and, and some of the best young players in the world. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, man. We uh, we fully agree with you that it's. Um, I mean, we've been screaming about it pretty much every week, but it's such a fun, interesting league where just the the most random, bizarre things will happen. Um, <laughs> so many weird stories and subplots. It's there's like this magical. Uh, I think in, I was watching Narcos again the other day. They call it magical realism, or, or like where something in the air is just. It's profoundly uh, attractive or, or, or beautiful. Um, but anyway, let's get into what was a very exciting week, and and uh, I think I think we'll we'll start off with the fixture, the last fixture basically on Sunday, or the last fixture for for Syria, which was the one-one draw at Torino. So Torino won, Inter Milan won. Um, Alexis Sanchez scoring a, a last-minute goal for. Inter, I think it was maybe ninety third minute, not not completely mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the the last minute, but Inter basically rescued a point uh, through through an equaliser from him. Um, look, what did what did we think of this? I personally thought that it, it, sorry, it was Gilson Bremer who scored for Torino from a corner. Torino did mm-hmm. actually have a, a whole ton of chances. We'll get into the fact that the big controversial decision, like there there normally is with with Syria. Uh, Inter, I think for me, missed Marcelo Brozovic. They also, I think, just ran out of ideas in terms of what to do with their build-up play and with their structure. It seemed to be a lot of, okay, we're just going to go direct to Eden Zeko and see what happens. Having said that, they did create chances through that. But Torino, I think, had a massive chance with Brekalo. Mm. He, he basically he didn't miss an open net, but Gosens did a good block. Torino had a whole host of other chances and sort of the penalty decision as well. I think that Inter could have easily lost this. It was, it was a weird one. Yeah, I think that the lineup that they put forth was not really one that you could get away with in a match like this. Torino has been a much better side than they were last year. Um, there's a lot more talent. Yurich is 10 times the manager. I mean, they had Gianpaolo last year, so yeah. no need to tell me and Maxi about that. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, Ficino starting over Brozovic. Obviously, Brozovic was in that one tie. I mean, they've been in this crazy goal-scoring drought as a club outside of the Salernitana fixture where they're struggling to create chances, beating players one-on-one. And listen, Bremer is an amazing center back. He's arguably been the best one in the whole league this year, probably besides Skriniar and and whoever else you would like to toss in there. But he's clearly been in that conversation, and it showed. Um and, and, and having a healthier Bolotti helps out, too, in this, even though he might have not been the greatest in this. I, th- I think he was still much of a threat for the most part. And quite frankly, I know we're going to wait to get to it, but he did earn a penalty for them. And, and No, yeah, this, this, it, it was a penalty to me. I mean, I mean, there's there's no question about it. It, it was it was pretty obvious. Some some were saying, oh, there was a handball on the buildup. But if you actually look at the footage, there's no clear and obvious handball there to to say that. And even if there was, then they would have said something like that. They they called it as a no foul in the box, which is the serious issue. But again, I digress with that. For Inter, I mean, the pressure mounts, and some of the things and comments I found found from Inzaghi to be interesting were after one of the recent matches that they played, they were talking about still licking the wounds from the Milan Derby, which was really fascinating to me because in my opinion, and I don't know if you guys uh, disagree with this, for, for a title team to want to be ambitious and, and, and you know, repeat like Inter uh, hope to do, you got to get over a loss like the Derby. 
Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happened in that. They still were in control of their own destiny. They still have a match in hand as well. I mean, right now they would still be behind. But the point is, you can't be harping on that because if that's still in the back of their mind, how are they able to play any of these other matches? And it's kind of shown Salernitana is miserable. That's a, that's a club that's getting relegated. I'm sure, again, we're going to talk about that too. You can't be coming out with flat performances like this. Inzaghi's selections, I just don't agree with. You have to take almost every three points because now the the pressure is really shifting and Juve is drawing ever so closely to them. And it's not so much about the Scudetto at that point. It's kind of a reality that you could see, uh, given the remaining schedule, that they could finish fourth. It's not completely far-fetched that, that that's a possible scenario. So for me, uh, I found it to be a massive... Um, a, a drop of points for Inter. Um, salvaging the one point may be okay, but just the overall outlook and picture of the way they played in that match, it's not encouraging if I'm an no. Inter fan. It, it's just not. I completely uh, agree with, with, what, with what you're saying. I thought some of the lineup was a little bit strange, but also when they made changes, I, th- I, th- I think Inzaghi threw absolutely everything at it and uh, barely anything changed. We saw Robin Gosens come on. Um, Vidal came on on the 67th minute along with Alexis Sanchez. Okay, Sanchez scored the goal, maybe had a a different effect. Joaquin Correa came on. He threw basically the kitchen sink at it. I'm not even sure it did much. It's one win in six now. One win in six when you're defending a Scudetto is just odd to me. Um, Ranocchi came in and did a decent job. I felt it was a very, very strange decision when he put Di Marco on and took Bastoni off. Bastoni is not only a very good defender in that three, he's probably the most creative and most attackingly influential of that three, as in he will make third-man runs or he will overlap on the left. But I think the worry is that they're not creating much at all. And they, like you said, I think that Milan derby has seriously set off a chain of events that just might actually lead to them not being in Scudetto picture. What do you think, Maxi? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, and it will be it will be interesting now to see how how they react when when they've lost that advantage of having everything in their own hands. What is going to happen now when they don't have that anymore? Uh, will will they get themselves together, or will they like melt down even more? Um, and also, as as you you said, I thought it was very weird taking taking off Bastoni because if. You have a situation like that when when you must get a goal and you want to lift lift up the team. There's no better player to have back there than Bastoni. He's not only very attacking, being influential. He's probably after Jack uh, after Brozovic the best passer in the team. And uh, so to have him ping balls up to start attacks with would have been very important, I think. And and they lost that when they subbed him out. Yeah, um, I mean, having said all of that, and having said that, that you know they they created little or they didn't look like they basically don't look like what they do at the beginning of the season where they were just purring. Eden Zeko had quite a few guilt edge chances, which were mainly crosses in from the box, and I think he could have at least put one away. But having said that, uh, Pobega, Brecalo, and Bilotti caused havoc. I thought, and even Singo and Vojvoda, um flying down the wings. They, I think they benefited a lot from when Inter probably pushed up a lot of men forward for obvious reasons. Um, and, and Torino could have could have scored, I think, more than one. And, and the, the penalty decision, look, man, that is a penalty. 
I don't, I don't care what you say. Like you, Inter got away with one there. That that is a penalty. We've seen some ridiculous penalties given in Syria this year, and you can't like that is undefendable. Uh, Ranocchia clearly gets none of the ball. He he touches the man. The man goes down. Um, they they sent the decision off to Vi. It came back and and it wasn't given. They, I I think they got away with one. They now sit four points behind AC Milan with a game in hand, of course, but AC Milan's destiny is in their own hands. I'm sitting here with two Milanisti. That's yeah, right, Martino, yeah. right? You're two Mil- you're correct, Milan friend. How are we feeling? I mean, come on, man. You must have a little bit of buzz. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Both of us have followed Milan for many years now, and we know that this club will disappoint you. <laughs> <clears throat> I listen. I think I think it's different circumstances. I think at the top, in terms of the title favorites, Inter is probably one of the weaker ones because they've been favorites throughout the season, right? Because favorites are based off of what odds makers say, not what the opinions are of people, because the opinions always differentiate. So the betting odds say Inter has been the favorite this entire time, and they still are to this day, even though Milan mathematically, uh, if it ended today, even if Inter played their match. Uh, against Bologna, which is the makeup game, Milan would still win the title. There's nine matches left, and I and I told and people have been asking me all year, a bunch of them, like, when are you going to buy in? Because I, I I truthfully just don't trust them yet. I think they're incredibly young. There's still some holes around in terms of center attacking mid and and on the right wing. Obviously, right wing has yeah. garnered most of the criticism uh, out of everyone because I mean, if you see some of the stuff, you're literally crying out for a right winger. Yes. Yes. Like you, you're crying out. I think you've been crying out for right winger for two years. Uh, yeah, maybe more than that, to be quite honest with you. And and the thing is this: they control their own destiny, and they do so great against the top sides. And they've been the best side in Serie A against those top sides. It's what happens against the other sides, like you lose to Spezia, you drop points to Salernitana, who were relegation. Uh, side like you can't you can't be doing that kind of stuff and that's what's in the back of every Milanisti's mind including Maxi's is like yeah. yeah we see the great strides in beating the great teams but then we see those moments where they slip up and they ha- they could have an opportunity and I know it's all in hindsight but if you keep dropping points like the Udinese ones because you're looking at it now like man Milan should have been up by like five six points in the standings now where yeah. you could breathe a lot easier towards the stretch and it just reminds everyone of, of of the moments that have happened the past eight to ten years because it's been eleven years now since they won the title and it, and and what happened last year when you when basically the the tides turned completely when Milan and Inter in the Coppa Italia where Inter just ran away with it and Inter's a lot weaker for three main reasons the Lukaku Hakimi and obviously Conte gone but for me I just I I, ha- I have to I have to see it I just to believe it. I, I think they can do it, but on, my, on a confidence level from a scale to one to 10, I might be like a five and a half. Oh, There's come just, on. That, oh, yeah, it's I, a five and a half. I mean, look, if, if, if you sat sure. purely down, if you sat Ibra down, if you sat Teo, Leao, or everybody, if you sat everybody down in, in the Milan team and they said, right, when we get to 29 games with 10 games left, you're going to be top of the table mm. with a point clear and your destiny is going to be mm-hmm. in your own hands. 
they'd be like, yeah, we're, we're going to book you your hand off for that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I want them to say that. But if it's me and Maxi, we're just not confident because we've been we've been here for the past 10 years. and we You've been burned before. You've been burned before. We've been it's and it's not to say they don't have the quality. Like, listen, if they if they like one more summer, if they have a good summer this year, they're absolutely the favorites in my absolutely. opinion for next absolutely. year. Like, like, you know, Juve can make great strides and moves. They're going to be in the mix for it. Inter, who knows what that financial situation. But if Milan have a great meeting with UEFA, if they make top four again, which is basically a formality at this point, which was the biggest thing heading into the season in terms yeah. of the finances, because you don't make top four, that meeting with UEFA can go south and you're probably going to have to sell players. So at this point, I think the outlook's fantastic. It's We'll, we'll see what happens. I, th- I think they're in really good shape to do it, and they're in control of their own destiny, which makes a lot of people want to throw up, including myself. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. And if you look at our next five coming games, it's it's as Martino said, it's basically all weaker sides, and very winnable. Me don't have something to prove here, and uh, yeah. Uh, also, as as Martino touched on, uh, Maldini said before the season that. I mean, before we can count ourselves as a Champions League team, which was the the first and foremost objective, we have to qualify for not one year, not two years, but three or four years. And that that was the main goal going into the season. But of course, you won't won't say now that our our goal is to finish fourth because when when you're in this position, of course you want to win. But the squad, I think... I also think that, of course, we we are where we are, but we have we don't have the same depth depth as yes, as Inter or or Juve, and that could cause. But we're healthier than all those teams. That's the important thing too, yes. because a lot and of last lot year of, and this year was injuries. You guys having injuries? Yeah, and I don't know how many podcasts we had this week where we would just. <laughs> We're just beating the drum, going, "Oh God, it's the injuries again." It's the, it's those the, like I think the, the, that was your biggest Achilles heel. The the injuries this year, the the, the amount that you've had is just ridiculous. I that is sorry also for... freaking me out that we are completely healthy. I know, right? Completely healthy. Well, I mean, I know Simon Kaya is not, yeah, but, but that's like long term. Yeah. Um, le- leading into that, the the one the one they win against Empoli was a very professional performance but I felt like and you guys can come in on this because I watched a lot of Milan this year and I watched a lot of Milan last year I felt like it was a bit of a performance of last year where very good first half good intensity good building up the left wing is obviously devastating it's one of the best left sides in the world Leao Tateo um and but maybe because you didn't score more than one in the first the second half was like it's, it's a little bit edgy and always when it's Always when it's 1-0 and there's 15 minutes left, like anything can happen. <laughs> well, that's the key thing, though. So, like, Florenzi in this one over Teo, because Teo got suspended, there was one opportunity, Maxi, I think you'll remember it. Florenzi had a chance to curl one in. I mean, it was a good save by the Empoli keeper, but it, yeah. that, like, you, Teo sinks that every time. Teo's yeah, got I'm, one of yeah. the best left foots in the world. I think probably the best scoring left back in the world. I think scoring I mean, yeah. is Trent, strictly... Trent Alexander-Arnold? Left for a left back? Yeah, yeah, and Teo scores Trent, more than Trent. Trent. No, but 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 for on the score. left side, on the left side, Trent's a, Trent's a right back is what I'm. 
Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Robertson then. Sorry, I always get my left and right um, mixed <laughs> up. Um, um, you're good. You're good. Um, as, a, as, a, as a complete left back, I think Teo's probably third or fourth. I think he's still behind Davies and Robertson. But just as a scoring type of, of left back, I think Teo has the edge there. But again, I think he finishes that. It's definitely a two to three nothing type of advantage but you're right when it goes to one nothing like that you get very nervy but in all reality Empoli was really not threatening in this and a lot of it has to do has had to do with the goal scorer Kalulu who I've been obsessed with for the longest time I tweeted out like around February last year that he was going to be a starter for the club and I did say at one point it was going to be a Pogba like level steal like Juve did with Manchester United and I got reamed for it but it was a little bit out of context for what I meant in, in in the fact that like you're getting a free French young talent that has the ability to be elite at his position. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I meant. And it's proven to be true. And the funniest part is, Maxi knows this, he's not a center back by trade. He no, came up not. as a fullback. No. He's, and he's yeah, been a, amazing. He's a bit of a utility man, but I think that's one thing that's fantastic about this Milan team. And it's happened all year. It's Pioli doesn't sit and cry about the amount of injuries he, he has. He just says, oh, okay, so... X player is out, which means, you know what, I'll try Y player here. And those players who have come in have actually done a better job than anybody could think of. There's been so many different players playing in odd positions. I think I've seen Rade Krunic play about six, <laughs> seven positions, for example, this year. Correct, correct. He was double pivot to start the year, and he, he yeah, did he, a decent job. He, he was played not cam, bad. he played left wing. Um, I mean, uh, hopefully we, we'll get to see him as a keeper before the end of the year. Yeah, maybe when the Scudettos clinched against Sassuolo, that would be nice. That's yeah, Scamacca's going a hat trick with, with him in nets. But um, oh, it's it, it, a professional, good, healthy three points for, for, for Milan, Maxi. Yeah, you know, it's it's like you say, when when you're aiming to win a championship, you need these kind of wins as well, where even though you only have a one nil lead that you you can still see the game out and get three points and and I'm not going to say that this this uh, win will make Milan win the Scudetto but I mean we two two years ago we wouldn't have won this game correct and and we've we've uh, now we can see games out as we did here even though we won't. Score another goal. At least we can defend the lead we Correct. have. Yes, just like the Atalanta game to end last year. That type of game, Maxi. You know what? Like I, I said it before the season started. Like winning types of games like that, and understanding how to win games like that with a really young side, because they were the youngest in all of Serie A. They were the youngest club that participated on average starting eleven age throughout European competitions, mm-hmm. and. They found out ways to win that game. And on top of it, all those youngsters got infinitely better. So, I mean, learning how to win games like that is everything that it takes to be champions, except, again, PTSD with some of the other methods. That they, <laughs> exactly. Like drop points. Positive in vibes. Extra positive vibes. Uh, <laughs> I if, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, I'd also like to make the point that, like, Milan have been without Ibra for a m- large large majority like large portions of the season as well like you have two uh strikers up front who have the combined ages i think it's 75 mike Oli Oli is 35 and, and, and mm-hmm. he was 40 um i think in terms of in season 
dealing with circumstances that happen of, of like a this will happen or this random thing will happen. I think purely is just is just been an expert at that. Yeah, um, because again, you got to know like even if you do sign Ibrahimovic again for another year, um, which which meaning like this year, you have to know he's going to miss some time. He was coming off a surgery that delayed his start to the season. Um, he's forty. He's forty. Yeah, got to, like repeat that multiple times. Forty. Like, four zero. It's, it's it's insane that he's even at this level in the first place, let alone contributing a decent amount, eight eight goals in seventeen matches. And I mean, it's it's probably even more impressive when you look at the amount of minutes played. Um, but yeah, it's just you know they kind of understood and got through it last season, but there was no Giroud in there. There was a lot of Rebic filling in as as yeah. a nine. There was yeah. Leao who is way better out wide than he is up top as a sole striker like that. So having someone like Giroud, and I mean, how many times has he stepped up this season? I mean, absolutely In games, yeah. inc- incredible amounts. And, you know, the Napoli and Inter ties alone is six points. That's That speaks volumes as to what he's brought to them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, Martino, but uh, there's there's been always been a lot of talk about the curse of the Milan number nine <laughs> but to be honest even though he hasn't scored like goals 20, in bulk yeah. this season I think that Olivier Giroud or at least he's on, on the way to break that curse with how much he stepped up in big games and and the goals he scored um, because they've, they've been so so important for Milan I and and you know what's like funny to me and and I've had a bunch of these tweets in the, in the past that I dug up this season where people are like the number nine curse the number nine curse I was like no no no, no. there's no such thing as curses to begin with first of all right this isn't a Disney movie <laughs> Se- secondly okay the players sucked they were not good they were not yeah. good enough to wear the number nine at Milan okay number nine at Milan is arguably the se- in my opinion the second highest standard in world football, probably behind the best player at Real Madrid. It's, it's one of them. If, if it's not up there, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably biased. I'm I mean, probably biased. It's not the, I don't think it's the one, like you said, but it's, I'd give it, I'll throw you a top 10. I'll throw you a top 10 in there. Top five. I think top five. Top How about 10. <laughs> top, three. top five. What, are, what other positions are so iconic Number in the seven sport? Man United. I over mm. over number nine at Milan when they had more Ballon d'Or winners. Cristiano Ronaldo, David no. Beckham, George, uh, George Bias, you're a Man United fan. Shakira. Shakira, hey, listen. I mean, okay, yeah, but but, but either then, either then, you didn't name me ten uh, uh, ten others that were ahead of it. Either Barcelona, way, number t- number ten in Barcelona. That's just Messi. Ronaldinho. Messi and Ronaldinho. Vilkame over, you know, Marco Van Bastian, people and Zaghi. Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing you top five. I'm throwing you top five. No, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you gave me, you can see the top five. Then good, top five song. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can move on. You can move on because it's a different debate. <laughs> right, we, we've all we've all agreed on that. Then we've all reached to a compromise. It's good when when things work out like that. So that was that was the Milan clubs basically. Moving on to uh, second place Napoli. It, it was uh, it was a derby uh, against Hellas Verona. Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw this two one 
to Napoli. Victor Osiman, the spearhead of this this charge, charge uh, getting two vital goals. I found this game interesting because I like I don't know what the American coverage is like, but they actually had to either interrupt the game or not call it off. I don't know what the right word is, but the, the Tanoi gave warnings. I think the commentator said it was six because of the of the horrific fan chanting going on. Wait, wait, mm. wait. I, I just have to correct something here. It was not a derby. No. Verona, Verona is no. in, in well, the, the North damn commentator North. said it was a derby. No. Verona no, is uh, no, very up north. Oh, I don't know. What yeah, no, it's not a derby. I think he probably was just phrasing it like, so at the end of last season, Napoli got eliminated from the top four by Verona, and I and, and they kind of been there Achilles heel. Uh, oh, in massive okay, master. Okay. So I'm he's probably sure angling he it like Darby, that. But, um... but, yeah, but but it, but that's just not the right word to use. Right, he so, probably, he yeah, probably yeah, we'll, blame, we'll, blame the, wanted, we'll blame the commentator on that. I just wanted to oh, clear the rap so you don't look make me and Martina look like idiots. <laughs> uh, what about me? That's what, so I already look like one. Anyway. Hey, no, no, you're just a messenger. We can't shoot you. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and blame that commentator. But um, it, yeah, did you see this? The, the, the game mm-hmm. was stopped, I think, six or seven times because of the chanting. There there was, yeah, monkey chants. And even prior to um, the ultras, uh, I mean, listen, I'm, I, I, you could guy, you guys could go look it up yourself and who's ever listening. Just look up what the Verona ultras did and what they said about um, the city of Napoli. And that's all you need to know. I'm not going to talk about no, it. Well, okay? I, I, I don't think pretty, we should delve too much into that. No, no, just, no, 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 I won't. I, but I, it's, I just, pretty, it's pretty awful what they were doing and implying. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I was just intrigued because I've never, I mean, uh, I was just intrigued because the the game kept being interrupted, basically. But uh, Victor Osiman, what a performance. I mean, listen, Verona's manager, Tudor, prior to the match uh, being played, was, I believe he was asked, um, who is the best striker in Serie Like, how are you going to prepare for the best striker in Serie A and Victor Osiman? He's like, no, uh, Dusan Vlahovic is is a far better striker. Listen, listen, listen. Whether or not that's true, you don't say that right before you play a guy. You don't like, the beast. Why, why, why would you poke the bear? Why would you want to give him any incentive to beat you down? Which he did. Which he did, by the yeah. way. I mean, yeah. he scored the brace. He took all three points. Uh, uh, on top of Verona just not playing well enough. Scores with the header. Scores right in, right in the penalty area as well with the right-footed finish. I mean... It was a complete performance by him, and when he puts it all together personally, I think he's a more complete striker than any striker in the league. Not to say he's a better goal scorer than Immobile or Vlahovic, but in terms of everything that he could do, heading, pace, uh, scoring scoring with his foot, yeah, his strength is immense as well. Um, You know, like Vlahovic is a fantastic striker, but he scores the majority with his left foot. and he doesn't really do anything with his head and, and, and his weak foot as well. Immobile is just fantastic, and, and they're all great at converting penalties. And he also doesn't convert the penalties for Napoli as well. That's insane. So, mm. I mean, that's why he's behind in some of those, on top of his injuries. But, I mean, the guy's amazing. I, he's an unbelievable player. 